Hey, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Good. So the weather is pretty crazy, isn't it? I was wearing shorts yesterday, but like on Tuesday, I think I had my winter coat on. So I guess that's Cincinnati for you. Who wants to hear a joke? All right. That, that in and of itself is kind of a joke, right? Because like we always tell a joke. And so there's this preacher's son. He's 16 years old and he comes to his dad and says, dad, I want to get my license. His dad says, okay, yeah, I think that's a really good thing. You know, you, sh- you should get it. But there's three things I want you to do first. First, you got to bring your grades up. All right. No more C's and um, B's. I want all A's. If you have all A's in a month, I'll let you get your license. Also, you need to start reading your Bible more. What, like, I, 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 my, I'm a pastor. My son needs to be reading the Bible. You got to be in the word. He says, lastly, I want you to cut that long hair. Okay, you got to cut your hair. So then says, all right, dad, I got it. I got it. So one month passes by and his, uh, you know, report card comes in the mail and he has all A's. So he brings that to his, I says, look, I have all A's and you've seen me every morning reading my Bible before I go to school. He says, yeah, I see both those things, but you still have long hair. What's the deal with that? You know the deal. He says, dad, Moses, Jesus, Samson, Elijah, Noah, like these guys all had long hair. Are you seeing a trend here? And he says, yeah. The dad says, yeah, I see a trend. All those guys walked everywhere they went. All right. So speaking of walking, who would like it if you had Jesus walking everywhere with you every single day at all times? Who would like that? Like in the flesh, 24-7, you had Jesus with you. Who thinks that would change your life? Right? That, like, that would impact your life in a really positive way, wouldn't it? This morning, I want to talk about the fact that that is already something you have. Okay, I want to remind you guys that if you're in a relationship with Jesus, if you've been born again, you have him fully inside of you, the whole deal, the whole person there with you at all times, everywhere you go. There's, this isn't a, we, at the cross, Jesus died. At the resurrection, he came inside of us. When we accept him in our life, he came inside of us and we have him with us 24-7 all the time in the flesh because he's in your flesh everywhere you go. You have Jesus with you. That's what it means to be in union with him. And I just want to explore that with you a little bit this morning, okay? I know anything I maybe the things I say aren't going to be new, but this is something we have to constantly remind ourselves of. The power of the cross, the power of the resurrection, the fact that it's not just a like um, forgiving of our sins thing, but it's actually a transformation of having Jesus, the God of the universe, come and live inside of you and impact every moment of your life. Um, you know, we're reading this book called The Gospel in Ten Words. Has anybody ever heard of this? It's a really great book. I'd really encourage you to get it. But uh, the, the author, Paul Ellis, he, he uses this amazing illustration to describe union. He says... And by mean, we're reading this book on a Wednesday nights. We're reading this um, and doing a class on it in, in this room. If you ever want to come, it's at 630. So here, here's what he says. Many of us are looking forward to the wedding banquet yet to come. But Jesus is returning for his bride, not his fiance. You are already married to him. Your union with Christ is not a future event, but a present reality that began the moment you first said yes to Jesus. 
You are now living in the two hours between the I do and let's party. It's sweet, a bit surreal, but you are most definitely wed. So listen to that. Jesus is returning for his bride, not his fiance. If, we're gonna, if you're going to be honest, if I was going to be honest, I'll tell you that a lot of times I live more like Jesus' fiance than his bride. I walk around feeling a little bit hopeless, a little bit discouraged, a little bit confused. But if, when we come into the realization, when we embrace the truth and we say, we tell our heart to get it, that we're his bride, that we are in union with him, that he is with us all the time, that should change everything. That should change our outlook on every single circumstance, every single event that we um, encounter on a daily basis. You know, how weird would it be if, you, do you guys know Luke Hazelmeyer? He's one of the pastors on staff here, my best friend. Him and his uh, fiance got married last week, last Sunday. And you know, they're going to get back from their honeymoon and you know what they're going to do? They're going to live in the same house. How weird would it be if after they got married, they lived in separate houses, <laughs> right? You need to move into the same house as Jesus, okay? You need to embrace the fact that you are now the home of the Holy Spirit, that God lives inside of you. There's not a, um, he's with me on Sunday mornings, or he's with me when I'm reading my Bible, or he's with me when I'm in a good mood and I haven't cussed today, you know? No, he's with you all the time. He is your identity now. You know, like, you have, you're a new creation. It says in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. When we enter into this mystical union with Christ, we become inseparable. When, when the Father looks at us, he sees his Son. He sees Jesus. He can't see anything else. Listen to how it's put in 2 Corinthians Paul, tells, Paul says it like this. This is hard to believe. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Do you know that? That Jesus didn't just like pay for your sins. He took them on. He took your sins upon himself. So that in him, we, anyone who's in relationship with God, might become the righteousness of God. You have become the righteousness of God. Is it possible Who's ever felt before like God's disappointed with them? Has anybody ever felt that before? Who's ever felt like I don't measure up or I need to change something about myself in order to be closer to God? Let me ask you this question. Is it possible for God to be disappointed with his own righteousness? Is it possible for God's righteousness to not be enough, to not measure up? Then Then God can't be disappointed with you. You measure up. He's pleased with you. You are his righteousness. Look, that sounds crazy, right? Like that doesn't, that sounds like what? But that's what it says. So we have to make the decision. Are we going to live by what we feel and what we experience or by what this says? That's the decision we have to make. And um, constantly on a daily basis, I have to go, okay, (laughs) I believe it. I'm embracing this, okay? I know that there's a lot of stuff happening in front of me that don't feel like that's true, but just, like, this is it, okay? I'm, I'm just going to take this and believe this. Even when it doesn't feel right, doesn't feel true, it's not what I'm experiencing. I'm, and that, that's what faith is, you know? Faith is believing God at what he said. It's saying, faith isn't us, like, conjuring up and trying to believe something or trying to make it real. It's just saying, God, I accept what you're saying. 
It's saying, Lord, I'm going to be humble in my thinking. Doesn't, I, I don't feel it. I'm not getting it. But faith is, okay, God, I accept it. I believe you. I believe you. And that's what the Christian life is all about. It's about over and over and over realizing that he's the pursuer and that we're, we're accepted by him. You know, that's why we're the bride of Christ, because he pursues us. The groom pursues the bride. So sorry, guys, we're all the bride of Christ, okay? Because we're being pursued. We're being pursued by him. He's coming after us. And you know, the reason that all you ladies are sons of God is because in the culture that Jesus came into, it was sons that got an inheritance. Sons got a full inheritance. I think girls should have too, okay? If I could have made the rules, girls would have too, but that's not how it worked. So you should be glad that you're a son of God because sons get a full inheritance. Sons get everything the father has. Everything that the father has, he gives to his sons. And so that's why we're all sons of God. Whether you're a boy or a girl, whatever, you're a son of God. And guys, we're all the bride of Christ, all right? So it equals out. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago at house group, this girl showed up. If you, if you don't know the house group ministry here, we have six different house groups. There are five that are young adult led and one that's led by, um, not young adults. And first service, I said old people, but, uh, I got a couple of dirty looks. No, thank you. Thank you. I mean, like, what? Why is that bad? Why is being old bad? I don't understand what the booing is about. That's just a fact, you know? Young, old, it's all, it's all relative. Anyways, this girl shows up at the Westchester House Group, and I've never seen her before. So anytime somebody comes in that I've never seen, I'm always kind of like, How, who are you? What, what's happening? But I don't want to be overbearing and ask that question right off the bat, so I kind of let them experience part of the night first. And you know, our whole idea with house group is we want to create a non-religious environment for people to encounter God's presence. As much as this church strives to um, be, like that's a value here is to be non-religious. Because something Georgian said that I think so describes religion, religion is cookie cutter. Christianity is be yourself. Jesus is all about you being you. Religion is all about forms and mechanisms and as hard as we try to not be religious here, just the fact that we're inside of a church building makes us a little bit religious, you know? And there's a lot of Cincinnati that wants to have nothing to do at all with religion. Let's just, let's just pretend the statistic would be 50%. 50% of Cincinnati is never going to step foot into a church. So what do we do? We go and have little churches and houses where they will step in. We trick them to come into houses. <laughs> and then they find out, oh man, it's just like church. But God's presence is there, and they're getting healed and loved and touched. It doesn't matter anymore. You see, religion really distracts people from the goodness of God. Because religion is more about humanity, whereas a relationship with God is all about, is all about him and what he's done for us. So anyways, this girl, Becca, is at house group. And I asked her, how did you find out about house group? And she said, it's a really crazy story. I'm actually from Richmond, Indiana, and I drove an hour and a half to be here tonight. I was like, what? Like, how did, why did you do that? How did you find out? She said, well, I, um, I was in Los Angeles and I was visiting the Dream Center, which is like this kind of mission, mission base. And I want to get an internship there. And I, f- I was with my pastor, my youth pastor there. We were checking it out. And then when I came back, we were driving through Cincinnati to get back to Richmond. And we, went, we stopped at the Cheddars um, 
We stopped at a Cheddar's restaurant. She didn't even know it was in Corrine. I was like, okay, so the one in Corrine. She's like, yeah. And uh, in the booth next to us, there was these young people, these young guy, this young guy and young girl, and they were just like talking about God a lot. And so my pastor was like, hey, you should go introduce yourself to them and meet them. And it turns out that one of the guys that she was introducing herself to was Keenan Snyder, who's an intern of this church. He's right back there. And so, uh, yeah, who loves Keenan? Keenan's a great guy, isn't he? So um, she just goes into herself to Keenan and asks what church he goes to. And he says, oh, I go to this, I go to the vineyard, but I also go to a thing called house group. And he needs to tell her about house group. And then he just really feels like God is putting some things on his heart to share with her. And uh, he begins to basically just, pro- he had no idea what she was just doing, but he begins to, begins to prophesy to her all about how she has this dream to be in missions and blah, blah, blah. And basically just like describes her everything she's just been doing for the past week. And it totally blows her mind. And she's just like, what? Like, I have to come check out this house group thing. And so she drives an hour and a half on her Friday night to Westchester, Ohio to go to house group. Now, why does that happen? That happens because of God's presence. Okay. Keenan's an amazing guy, but he's not good looking enough to make a girl drive an hour and a half. Okay. To come to a house group. But God's presence my friends, God's presence is what brought her. God's presence changes people. When they come into contact with the presence of the living God, it it circumnavigates their thinking patterns and stuff like that. They don't really understand it, but you're changed and you want more. We do a thing called Healing on the Streets at Northgate Mall. Healing on the Streets, we set up four chairs, these four deck chairs, and then put up a big banner that says healing. And um, for two hours, we welcome people to come sit down and get prayer. And every week, people sit down and get healed, saved, delivered, just touched by God in the middle of the mall. It's really cool. And uh, three weeks ago, there was um, one of the janitors was walking by, the janitors at the mall, and he was pushing his garbage can and kind of limping. And so Nick, um, one of the guys that does hots, was like, hey, do you want to come sit down and get prayer? He's like, no, sorry, I'm working, you know. And one of the things we do is at the very beginning, before we... Um, start praying for people as we all kneel, all like 10 of us or however many people are serving, we kneel and just say, God, we welcome your presence to be here. We're here as servants of the mall and people. And we just want to, we just want to be a blessing here. Okay. So that's why we kneel to say, like, we, we want to serve. We're not here to push our agenda. So anyways, Nick asked this guy, do you want prayer? He says, no, I'm working, blah, blah, blah. About a half hour later, I don't, I didn't know that Nick had already asked him for, if he wanted prayer, but this guy, I I didn't even recognize him, but this guy, his name's Tino, comes walking by me, pushing his, um, pushing his garbage can. And I walk up to him with a flyer and said, Hey man, would you like prayer? Do you want to sit down and get prayer? He said, no, that's okay. But you know, my ankle feels a lot better. And I was like, okay, what? (laughs) Like I had no idea that Nick had already talked to him. He's like, yeah, um, Nick, that, that guy pointed to him and he's like, he asked me to come and get prayer for my ankle and I didn't do it, but my ankle feels better. What happened? What's going on? I don't get it. So what happened there? God's presence. Okay. God's presence touched this guy without us even saying peanut butter. We didn't say, okay, we'll be healed. You know, as he walked by, we didn't say, all right, well, we'll pray for you still. We had just welcomed God's presence. Nick, in an act of love, offered him prayer. He said, no, God still got him anyway. Okay? That's, that's what God's presence does. My wife and I just moved into a new home. And um, 
we got Cincinnati Bell set up, and you know how much of a hassle that is. And online is just totally crazy. Like, the internet sometimes is a joke, all right? Like, it does not make things easier. And I'm trying to set up Cincinnati Bell online and change the accounts, and it's just like, like, okay, I don't want to knock on Cincinnati Bell too hard, but for a, like, wireless provider, like, their whole thing is the internet, but their site sucks. Like, so confusing. So I can't figure it out. I don't know what's going on. Again, Cincinnati Bell is amazing. I get great service from them. But so I call in, and I'm talking to this lady, and she helps me get it all set up. You know, it takes, like, an hour. But uh, it was a great, great time talking to her, getting it all set up. And by the time we get off the phone, I just ask her, hey, is it a, would you like prayer for anything? Could I pray for you? She says, what? And people, like, whenever you offer someone prayer, it's like they forgot that that was a word. Have you ever experienced that? Like, would you like prayer? And they're like, would I like what? Like, have you ever heard of this word prayer before? I'm, I'm not saying it more clearly this time. I'm just saying the same word. But it's just so, like, outside of people's paradigm, right, to be offered prayer. And she's like, yeah, actually, I'd really love prayer. And she begins to kind of choke up. I said, okay, well, what can I pray for you about? She says, well, my son passed away. And I'd really, I'd really appreciate prayer for that. And I said, oh, man, I just sympathize with her, you know, empathized. And I asked her, when did he die? And, you know, how old was he? She said, he, it was in 2013. He was 27 years old when he passed away. So I just, at this point, she's crying on the phone. You can tell her heart's totally broken. Rightly so, you know. And um, I just began to minister on the phone. I was going to pray for her. And she's just weeping in her cubicle or whatever. But what, what's happening in that moment, okay? I'm not there. Like, my humanness, my presence isn't there to, like, comfort her. It's God's presence is there, okay? God's presence isn't bound by a phone line. God's presence comes and begins to touch her and begin to minister and, and to release healing in her life. And that week, I got an email from her. Well, I got an email from some name I didn't know, and then I read it, and I figure out it's her. I'm like, what the heck? You stole my email address. Like, but... Uh, so check it out. These three stories I just shared with you, these people were experiencing God's presence, right? Something from the outside was coming onto them and into them and, and touching them, saturating them from the outside, right? We have that same thing alive inside of us. We have that same thing in here 24-7 all the time. That's what it means to be in union with Christ. It means that you have all of him at all times, alive inside of you. Listen to how much Paul and Jesus talk about this. I think this is kind of like one of the hidden gems of the gospel message, you know? Like, we get salvation, right? We understand I'm going to heaven, and we're all happy about that. I'm happy, okay? Um, we get that we're forgiven. Like, that's like Christianity 101, you're forgiven. That, that makes a lot of sense, right? But to say that we are in union with him I feel like that's something we just don't really dive deep into. We're kind of unaware of what all that means and how all that would affect our life. And the fact that we're unaware of it doesn't change the benefit from it, you know? It doesn't change that we're in union with him. Like, whether you know that you're in union with him or not, you, you are. But imagine the power that can be released in your life. Imagine the hope and the security, the prosperity that will come into your life when you begin to accept and realize the fact that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Say that, Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you. Just like put, we should all be like just jumping out of our seats screaming right now to realize that. 
God lives in you. Jesus. You remember earlier I said, who would like to have Jesus with them all the time? You do. He is inside of you. Like, I just kind of slap myself all the time because that's amazing. And the fact that I can say it without just falling over dead means that there's more to it that I need to discover and learn and realize because it's become just like a normal saying, you know? But it's transformational. It's, it changes everything. Listen to what Paul says. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Here's how Jesus said it. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I think we have a kind of misunderstanding about union. And we think, or, or like this, the gospel message, we think it's like all Jesus. It's all Jesus and no me. You know, it's all about God. It's, no, we're inseparable. He is the vine. We are the branches. The branches grow off of the vine. Branches have what the vine has in them. You know, like they're the same consistency. They're the same thing. If you broke them down in a microorganism level, you'd be like, oh, I can't tell. Is this a vine or a branch? Because it's growing off of the vine, the branches. That's what it means that we're in union with Christ. We are the same. We are together. We're one. That's why marriage is such a powerful illustration. Because after you get married, your identity is changed forever. After you come into relation with Jesus, your identity is changed forever. Jesus said, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus also said, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Baptism is a picture of a spiritual reality, okay? Baptism, going under the water and coming back up, that is a metaphor. That's a symbol for something that has happened in the spiritual realm, in the spirit realm. You know, we, we live in the natural realm. That's our main experience. But the spiritual realm is where we get our life from. You know that? Like, you are more alive in Christ than you are alive on earth. Your spiritual life is more abundant. That, that's why we want to live from that place. Because that is where we get life. It's from our union our um, connection with Jesus. So I'm just rambling, but I, I want to hit a couple more times to demonstrate for you a little bit more why I think it's so important that we embrace, we go beyond just the cross. We go beyond just being forgiven. Like, we got to treasure that, okay? And we don't want to downplay that. But what, G what Jesus did wasn't just to forgive us, it was to unite us with him. We can't stop it I'm forgiven, we have to move towards I am one with him. I think that's why a lot of the Christian life can be hopeless for so many people. Because all they're looking at is I'm forgiven now and I go to heaven later. When really it's you're forgiven now so the heaven can come inside of you now. So that you are, you are walking around, you can be the revelation of people, you can reveal to people what heaven is like. Your life. Your actions, the words you speak, the prayers you pray are, are showing people what heaven is like. We're supposed to represent to people how good God is. 
the way we treat others, they're supposed to be like, oh my goodness, like you're a Christian and you, you just prayed for me and I was healed. That must mean that God heals and that God's good. That's the logical conclusion people should come to by the life we live. Wow, you're so generous. Why did you, like, you don't even know me. You just bought my meal. Hey, because God is generous. Oh, man, I didn't realize. You know, people walk around with a distorted perception of God. Really, people walk around thinking that God's mad at them and that they need to change things and do things in order to be in relationship with them. When, in fact, in um, 2 Corinthians, Paul explains that that's what Jesus did. Jesus reconciled the world to God. He says, Therefore, if anyone was in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world. Say the world. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So here's the deal. When Jesus died on the cross, he took everyone's sins. He paid for all sin ever committed before him and after him. You know, like God isn't surprised when you mess up because he already paid for it. You get that? God's not disappointed with you when you fall short because he paid for you falling short in the future. That's what grace is. That's what it means we live in grace. And that is the message that we all under, that if you know Jesus, okay, I hope there's some people in this room who don't know this and who are going to accept this today. But for everyone who knows Jesus, this is the message that we're entrusted with. This is the gospel. This is what we get to go share with people. This is the good news that God fixed it. That all we have to do is receive him and say, hey, I I sign up. I, I give my life to you. We don't do some act. We don't um, you know, fix ourselves or prepare things because God already fixed it. We just embrace that truth. Now, when we get that, how can we not share that with people? When we realize that that is the message that we've been given and we've been trusted with to tell people, hey, God's not mad at you. God has made a way of relationship with you. We all become evangelists instantly because that's an easy, amazing message to share. You know, like the word repent, we think of that as like, a scary thing. And we're saying like, repent, blah, blah, blah. And we have all these weird connotations, but all repent means to change the way you think. So when you're inviting people to repent, you're inviting them to change the way they think about God. You're inviting them to realize, oh, God's not mad at me. God's made a way for me to be in relationship with him. That's, that's what it means when we can tell people, hey, repent, change the way you think. Stop believing the lie that God's mad at you. Believe the truth that he loves you and that he wants to be in relationship with you. So how does, who, how does this happen? This happens in a really amazing way. Um, the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit's our best friend. He comes and takes residence up inside of us. He comes and lives inside of us. And this is what, this makes sense then for um, when Jesus said that it's better for you that I leave. You know, Jesus said a lot of things that didn't make any sense, right? We're just like trying to, trying to catch up with them. But this particularly, if I was a disciple, I would be like, what, Jesus? I don't want you to go. How could it be better? He says, it is to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You see, Jesus couldn't be everywhere at once. But like the incarnational, the in human form, Jesus couldn't be everywhere at once because he was 100% God and 100% man. 
So he set aside his omnipresence to be here, a human, to experience life with us. The Holy Spirit isn't bound by that. So he sent the Holy Spirit to come and take up residence in all of us so that we could permanently all always be in union with Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus is inside of you and living in you so that you can always be in union with him. Here's something um, from that book I was talking about that I really liked that he said about this. He said, he is the vine. Quit trying to be a little vine of your own. Jesus does it all. Our part is to trust him and depend on him for everything. The fact is you are in union. So live in union. Act married because you are. So our job is just to receive and accept that truth. You guys are all doing a really good job receiving right now, by the way. Just sitting there and you're just getting it, okay? What you're doing right now, that's all you have to do. Okay, I'm going to believe it. I'm just taking it in. I'm going to, any area of my life that I believe something contrary to this or contradictory, I'm going to rearrange my thoughts to line up with the truth that Jesus did it, that Jesus does it, that I can accept what he has done. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Not for it is by your amazing kindness or your good deeds. For by grace you've been saved through faith. We got to just keep living in that. We got to keep living in that. You know, that's why um, it's not surprising that we fall out of that. Because that's why Paul wrote a lot of these um, letters in the New Testament. Because the guys he wrote it to kept on forgetting. And they kept on trying to change himself and do things to be accepted by God. But he says, no, no. How, if you started in grace, are you going to finish it in works? No, we started in grace. We didn't do anything. We didn't earn it for Jesus to go pay for, the, pay for our sins and die on the cross. He did it as a free gift to us. We just receive it. On a daily basis, you got to say, God, I just receive that. Thank you that you did that. I choose to live in that. And you know, we're his children. We're his children. He, he loves us a ton. There's something special about each and every one of our relationships with God. There's something special about how he thinks about you and how he feels about you that no one else can feel or think. The way, the way that God feels about you is special. It's not anything that we've ever experienced before or ever can be replicated. You know, I have nine nieces and nephews. Well, Nine, yeah, nine combined. Okay, so I have six nieces and three nephews. And um, I love them all. I, I love kids so much. I just love being around kids. And one of them I get to be particularly close to because he lives right here in Cincinnati. Well, three of them do, but one I get to see the most. His name's Seven. And um, it's my wife's twin sister's son. So his name is Seven. And he's just like the cutest dude ever. And um, his grandpa, my, my father-in-law, we kind of compete for being like Seven's, Seven's favorite person. We both just like... We want to be the guy, you know, like if we're both in a room and seven comes in the room, like we're both like taking a step forward, like, come on over here, seven. Like, no, come on over here. seven. No, come on over here, seven. And he's just so cute. He's always saying, I want to hold you, hold you. And um, that's kind of stuff that just melts your heart, right? Here's the thing, though. My relationship with seven is different than his dad's relationship with him. His dad, Vinny. I can't replicate that relationship, okay? As much as I love Seven, as much as I take him to do things with me, even sometimes people are like, oh, like if I'm alone with Seven, sometimes somebody will be like, oh, you're doing something with daddy. I'm like, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just his uncle. As much as I wish, like, yeah, I wish I could have that same bond that Vinny and Seven do. Or I mean, that's a, that's a special thing that Vinny and Seven have. Because Seven is Vinny's child. 
You are God's child. There's a special link. There's a special connection. There's a special bond that you have with the Father that no one else can replicate, that no one else can invade in. Like marriage and our earthly parents, that's like the closest we can come to understanding how much God loves us. But it's a special thing. It's a supernatural thing. So I just want to tell you guys one more story, and then we're going to worship, okay? I decided to be nice and just kind of have a short message today. So, you know, last Sunday, Luke got married right up here. And um, at this point in the day, he wasn't married. And so him and I went out to breakfast together. I took him out the first watch, and we had a good time. And if you've ever been around somebody who's like the day of their wedding, it's just kind of sickening, you know? It's just like (laughs) disgusting to be around them because they're so weird. And they like... (laughs) don't know how to act right. You know, like you're talking all of a sudden they're like looking off or thinking it's like squirrel, you know, like just like Luke, pay attention, bro. Like, let's just talk. Come on. And, um, so Luke and I are at first watch and our server comes up and gets our order and everything. And he's, he's a young guy. He's our age. And we instantly kind of just have a connection with him and we're having a really good time with him. And after he walks away, we both notice that he's limping. And he has this like really severe limp. And so we're thinking, cool, like, I mean, that, that's, that's terrible, but we want to pray for him. You know, like, this is exciting. This is like, we get to be Jesus to him, you know? And so when he comes back by, we just ask him, hey, we noticed you're limping. What's going on? What happened? He said, oh, when I was seven years old, I was in a terrible car accident and half my body was paralyzed. Broke my neck, broke my back. And um, it's just been like, the, it's, it's amazing that I'm able to walk today. And he begins to show us with his hands, he's like, the whole left side of my body, the nerves won't react the same way. And he begins to like do this with his hands. But with his right hand, he's you know, going like a million miles per hour. And his left hand, he can only go that fast because the, um, the paralyzation that happened, the nerves that were damaged. And he's just like, yeah, it's a miracle I survived, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know why I survived. Like, I don't know why I'm here or anything. And we're like, yeah, we do. And uh, I was like, man, somebody must be really looking out for you. You know, somebody must have your back, you know? And he's like, yeah, I guess, but I don't know why. I don't know what my purpose is, or I guess I'm here for something. And we're just like, bro, you're about to lead yourself to Jesus right now. So by the end of the meal, we, we get our check and um, we, just, we just ask him, hey, like, you know, you said, you mentioned that you feel like somebody was watching over you. He's like, yeah. And I said, you, you feel like you have a purpose in life, but you don't know what it is. And he said, yeah. I said, can I just share with you what I believe it is? He said, sure. So I just began to explain to him the gospel and share how much Jesus loves him and how he died for him and how it's not just something to get him to heaven, but it's something to transform him right now. And it's an experience of being part of the kingdom of God that you can have right now. And then I didn't want him to feel like pressure. So I just said, hey, you don't even need us to do this. Like, Think about this, and you can, you can pray with us right now if you wanted, or you can pray just like on your own later and accept Jesus and embrace that. And he's like, no, I want to do it right now. So we just, he grabs, he grabs my hand, and I just begin to pray with him. And he, you know, does the whole, like, Jesus, come Lord of my life, all that stuff. And then I just say, hey, just say this, G- Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and possess me. Come and possess me. And then he opens his eyes, and he's like, what just happened? Like, what do you mean? He said, I just feel like energized. I feel like this, like, I feel like this energy I have now. He's like, I was like, dude, that's the Holy Spirit coming and living inside of you. That's God coming and joining himself with you and you and him becoming one. See, we, we can't fall away from that first experience, okay? We need to remember that that is what happened. That it's not just about God's presence on us. It's about God's presence in us.
And then we get to embrace that and live a victorious life. This is why, if you heard my dad's message last week, we don't have to be victims. Because Jesus is not a victim, you know? Jesus chose to go to the cross. You have him living inside of you. You're not a victim. You're victorious. You have the power of God totally alive in you. Okay, so just, just this week, as many times as you need to, stop and meditate on this truth. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Always he's with you to the end of the age. All right, we're going to take our offering now. So ushers, do you guys want to come on down to the front and get ready to receive the offering? Then we're going to go into a time of worship. You know, I just want to say, we're so thankful for how generous you guys are. You know that giving this year is much higher, at this point right now, is much higher than it was last year. And that's, that's amazing, you know? That's because of your guys' generosity. Yeah, you can clap for that. And so I just want to, I just want to say thank you guys for being so generous and for living that out in a way that doesn't just, imp- you know, um, the way Luke and I have jobs is by you guys paying, okay? So like that guy, that encounter we had, who knows that would happen if you guys weren't giving. That guy that got healed of the Maltino, he got healed because we have the resources and the ability to go into the mall and, and set that up and do that. That comes from directly what you're putting in the basket right now. So give, give tons, okay? Give more and more and more, and we'll be able to do more and more and more, okay? If you miss the baskets as they're going by, there's two boxes on the, on the back wall. You can make checks, pay to Vineyard Northwest, um, and you can also give through the app. And something I like to show people to do when they give on the app is just to hit a couple extra zeros, okay? Don't hit more zeros than you have in your bank account, but just feel free, you know? All right, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship. And during first service, uh, one of the guys here had a vision of Jesus up at the front and him saying, like, this is what union looks like and just had his hands out. And I just want to tell you that there's not anything, like, mystically special about the front of the room for worship, but there is something mystically special about you deciding you want to move outside of your comfort zone to worship Jesus. So when we have people come up here to worship, it's not because, like, we have anointed this area with oil and, like, you know, rolled around on the floor in tongues and prayed or something. It's because we want worship to be something we do proactively. You know, worship is assigning worth to God. You can't just do that in your mind. All right. That's something you just do in your head. You do it with your whole body, with your voice, with your song, with your legs, with your reputation. So Lord, we just hand our reputations over to you. We love you. Thank you so much that you just come and reveal your presence here. We are excited for that. We have anticipation for you just to come and flood this room right now. And we love you, God. We just say we praise you, Jesus. We thank you so much for dying on the cross for us, for resurrecting, for making that amazing sacrifice. I just pray right now that all of our hearts would be um, invigorated and reminded of the truth that you are a real person and that you're really here alive inside of us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.